Hello and welcome back to Awoke. Um, I'm Hisham Parchment and this is my new show where I'll be talking about um, the issues of race um, and blackness in connection to various other issues such as mental health, uh, the place of art in the community, class and social mobility, um, LGBT plus issues, um, etc. So it's basically just um, sharing my experiences, what I've seen, read, learned, how I feel about certain things. Um, and yeah, this week we are joined by a very good friend of mine, Shaznay, to talk about social media activism, feminism and being black online. So um, yeah, I hope you enjoy this week's show. Um it cannot be denied that we, we we live in an internet age. We're addicted to our online lives, um, how many likes our posts get on Instagram, how many friends we have on Facebook, how many group chats we're in. Um, but also, I think um, what this kind of internet age has also created is hyper-visibility. And having an online presence means that we can always be found. We're always being watched. Um, it's to be in a state of constant surveillance. And although, you know, many people use this plat online platform or any online platform to push boundaries and break the mold um, and exercise their creativity, the internet equally harbors um, trolls, bigots and extremists, um, which can make the internet a kind of paradoxically addictive and exciting, but isolating and hostile environment. Um, particularly for marginalised voices and groups. Um, so, yeah, that's basically what we're going to be getting uh, into today. Um, hello, Shazno. Hello, Shi. <laughs> um, first of all, do you want to just, like, tell us a bit more about you? Okay, well, um, I'm Shazne. I've been friends with Ishi for quite a long time now, like a couple of years. And um, yeah, I'm from South London. I go to uni at um, uh, the University of Sussex in Brighton. And yeah, I'm just down this weekend. It's my mum's birthday today. So yeah, but I'm very happy to be here to talk about um, these issues. It's really important. Uh, and um, I kind of want to start off kind of at the beginning of your journey actually um and so the first question is when did you kind of first come into your race consciousness if you you know when did you start reading when did you start oh, well, becoming you know what? I think it, it it's just a very gradual thing like I'm still learning like new things every day but I would say the point where I started to become like really like aware was probably like two, three years ago, maybe, maybe at the beginning of like sick form or something. But like ever since then, it's just like the the range of like different issues that I've that I've learned about and things that I've thought about, which I never even thought about before, has just like grown exponentially. So it's like very interesting, like being being black, being a woman in this day and age is just like a very mad experience I suppose um and what kind of like what triggered that then what what kind of pushed you towards towards um, that I would probably say just becoming like with the growth of social media and more people um raising awareness about issues like especially on Twitter Facebook and um obviously with um you know like Ferguson things like that that happened in America um, a couple of years ago, they started to like really, um, you know, like raise awareness for me, like in terms of like, you know, Black Lives Matter and the different movements going on. Wh okay, so which movements, for example, has the social media kind of um, brought to your attention? Um, well, definitely like the Black Lives Matter um, situation, um, you know, like I think when I realised how many, um, like, young black men were getting shot in America, that kind of just sort of made me become really aware of how, like, rampant racism still is and how um, present it still is. And um, so what do you think about the Black Lives Matter? What do you think about the movement 
um, in the UK? Do you think it's essentially failed? Do you think it has much of a presence in the UK? Um, it's weird. Like, I just, I, I don't feel much of the same kind of Black Lives Matter presence in the UK. There are lots of, like, different kind of issues um, that we go through here, like, especially with, like, gang violence and stuff. And I just think at the moment a lot of that has kind of been pushed aside just because of, like, um, like recent um, growths in, like, you know, nationalist culture and, like, EDL and is Islamophobia and, um, you know, xenophobia with, um, like, Brexit and everything. I think that's, like, really at the forefront um, of everybody's minds right now. Do you think that, which is probably the main question, social media um, is an effective tool in um, facilitating those kinds of discussions and for changing people's minds? Yeah, I definitely think that social media can be a very useful and productive, you know, space for people to talk about issues. Um, and I do think that it, it can change people's minds and opinions and make them think more about certain things. But that depends on like who you're speaking to it depends on their capacity to understand you know and if they're like and it depends if they're like bigoted or not <laughs> like I can talk to my friends very easily about these issues because we all have like the same kind of um we, we all have the same kind of like paradigm basically around like certain um views but if I was like to argue with some random like I don't know old white man on Facebook I don't know if they would have the like the same capacity to understand where I'm coming from do you know what I mean mm. and so do you think that social media um kind of breaks down those barriers for understanding or increases them kind of going back to like what I was saying about um uh the internet and social media creating kind of this sphere of hyper visibility do you think that do you think that yeah social media can break down those barriers or has broken down those barriers or do you think actually they're still there and it kind of makes it worse um, I think I think it does both because I feel like social media like especially things like twitter where you just have like a certain amount of characters it makes things really easy to break down and understand like people like usually don't want to read a lot like you know like academic essays where you can get like a lot of information people like to just see like just like little like concise things and I think um social media is really good at doing that but at the same time I do think that um like some discussions are better held in person just because like especially if you're like talking to one of your friends it's really hard to sometimes get across your point without like maybe come across in a certain way like because you know the sort of the visible signs of communication like you know your facial expression your tone of voice all of that goes away when you um when you're talking over social media but I think those things are really important yeah I think that like um especially when people kind of they often say that like you, I text differently to how I am or I speak in person yeah um and I think that um if you kind of apply that also to when you're talking about serious issues um whether that's with your friend or whether that's with someone that you don't know or don't know that well I do agree that it kind of completely removes that human factor involved and you know I'm sure a lot of people will agree it's a lot easier for example to be um, really combative and for things to escalate online it's just so much easier yeah. than if you're in person talking to someone face to face yeah. um yeah it kind of removes that that kind of um the human element in it do you think then that it's easier to confront um racism online or offline in terms of where are you most comfortable doing that um i definitely think i personally I'm a bit more comfortable doing it online because for me like it takes like a while to like articulate my thoughts and like to say things in a way that kind of like make sense um whereas like when I've like when there's been situations um 
you know, where there's like been some sort of like, I don't know, like microaggression, some anything, um, something that I've heard that someone said, said, um, I just don't know how to react like in the moment. Mm-hmm. It's, it's really hard to know how to react and like to even know, like you would just question yourself so much. Like, am I overreacting? Should I say something? Should I not? Um, I find it really hard to like decide in the moment um, when I do hear something um, problematic, like what to do. Mm-hmm. But when if, if I see it on my phone or something, it's like more easy for me immediately to just point that out and to sort of be able to articulate um, like why it, you know, it is problematic. When I'm saying that it's kind of, it removes the human element when you're talking online. It also, we need to also remember that kind of like when racist comments um, are kind of directed at you um, in person, a lot of the time, for me anyway, it's easy for you to kind of freeze up. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And for you to kind of feel stunned by the comment yeah. and not be able to kind of quickly um, give a response to that or, yeah. or to, to reply to them. Like one time at uni, at the beginning of um, this, um, this term, this uni year, um, I was just like, I just went for a drink um, at one of the campus bars with my friends and then I went to the toilet and then like there was some girl who came up to me and she was like, oh my god, like I have no black friends <laughs> here. Like she was like, I just come to um, Sussex, like I'm a fresher. I have no black friends and she touched my hair. And um, yeah, in the moment I was just a bit like, um, you know, she was like, she thought she was complimenting me. So I automatically was just like, thank you but I did feel kind of uncomfortable but then it only took like you know when I like went out of the toilet and went back to my seat and I really thought about it and I was like wait that that's actually a violation like she shouldn't have just like touched my hair without my consent like that mm. um and yeah it just takes a while because it's like you just don't expect it like you just you're just expecting a normal social interaction you're not mm-hmm. expecting to be like you know have like a microaggression um, yeah directed at you so it was kind of I kind of had um a similar a similar experience as well um and I was in um one of the like a mock interview at school and afterwards the the the, the man interviewing me um because at the time I had I wanted to do this um pro- a volunteering program in New York mm-hmm. and it's basically like um mentoring and and stuff like that and so I was like, yeah, no, like, that's what I'm thinking of applying to do, whatever, blah, blah, blah. Um, and he was like, this is like right at the end. And he was like, oh, good luck out there. And you know, like when you can just feel like underneath that is kind of like, yeah. what, sorry, what is that yeah, meant to mean? Yeah, what does that mean? And like, it's the way he said it as well. Yeah. That, and I was kind of like, yeah, the way he said it, I knew that it wasn't just like, a, oh yeah, you know, hope you have fun, good luck. In the, yeah. No, it carried that kind of... yeah undertone yeah um and also that's yeah that's another thing that makes i guess calling something like that out in person much harder because you are it's harder to be like actually i've inferred this from the tone of your voice yeah exactly. and that's often how it's it's so covert it's so in between the lines yeah that like if you're saying oh that person was listening like oh what do they say to you and i said that they'd be like well what are you talking about but yeah yeah, it's like that kind of lived experience that you can't really convey to a lot of people when it's like yeah Yeah, that was a racist comment yeah so and even if like you did like try to call it out in that moment like they could easily just you know play white victim and be like i was just trying to be nice like kind of thing and yeah it's Which like, just yeah deflects the yeah yeah exactly um so on um, hashtags as well we've got hashtag um, Black Lives Matter we have hashtag um, Me Too and so do you think that hashtags are kind of a, a powerful and effective way in raising awareness and popularizing movements? Or do you think that they kind of lose their power when they're overused? Do you think they're just kind of like a throwaway thing that like, yeah, hashtag Black Lives Matter? Um, do you think that like, yeah, it's overused kind of makes it? I I do kind of think that maybe with time that does happen. Like it does 
sort of in a way like just lose its meaning because it's it's just there like like when I think about it now like if if someone was just like tweeting like like a general sort of thing about whatever issue and then just put hashtag black lives matter I'd probably like just completely skim over it in my head like I probably wouldn't even like really think about the movement yeah in depth like it 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 feels like a a reduction you know but Mm -hmm. I feel like maybe at the beginning like of the start of the movement it is kind of like a powerful thing to like you know to see everywhere and everything but I do think that maybe over time it can just like just start to look like words basically what about the me too movement the hashtag me too movement do you think that that's lost traction do you think um that yeah the hashtag is still standing um i don't know like i i feel like i haven't heard a lot about me too recently i do see it pop up sometimes like in um in articles and whatnot but i i do think it's like the same kind of thing like at the beginning of the movement i think it was a very powerful like like extremely powerful um statement um but i just i it is one of those things where it just becomes something you see so much that you really forget what you know what it's about so yeah um so in um i don't know if you've read uh, the article um in Galden about uh, intersectionality recently no. um but it was um basically arguing that you know the meaning of intersectionality has kind of been watered down um and overused to such an extent that it no longer means anything so I was just going to ask you, what do you um, think about this? Do you think intersectionality has also become just a, a throwaway word? Hmm. I feel like, you know, like since people have become more aware of, you know, interse- intersectionality, um, of it being a thing that is like kind of one of those buzzwords that you can just throw in everywhere. And like, I don't know, maybe people do sort of, really forget like how important it actually is and like you know how many intersections there actually are I don't know like I <laughs> I mean I think we have like in general um moved away a lot from white feminism and it's good that people are recognizing um how you know different um parts of your identity can affect um affect your experience um as a woman um I don't know I, I I just think I don't actually think that um it's still throwaway I think it's still something um that people are thinking about and that's in their minds Actually, I was talking to someone the other day um about um intersectionality and we're talking about it not just being about identity um because everyone can just as you know you can have a, a black queer woman you can uh, also a white straight male that's also kind of three different aspects of someone's identity that kind of work together in some way, shape or form. Um, and that it should, the focus should kind of be shifted onto um, like the power structures at play between, um, between any, but not only between the different aspects of your own identity, but your identity in relation to um, uh, another person's identity. Um, and so how do you feel, what do you think about um, intersectionality in terms of um, power structures? Um, and do you think um, the debate around intersectionality um, should be evolving towards that? Yeah, I definitely think that it's important to, you know, think about um, intersectionality, especially in comparison to, um, you know, like those who might have like more more power over um you know and um someone else um like I, I think like obviously we can say that um someone like even as a a black woman from um you know the western world i i do recognize that i have more privilege um than maybe like um another black woman from like 
um, other diaspora, like, I don't know, I don't know, somewhere that's, you know, still <laughs> profoundly colonised, you know. What kind of response do you usually get and who from um, when you're talking online about um, certain issues? Um, I usually get responses from, you know, like-minded people who would like, you know, agree completely with what I'm saying. Um, sometimes I get responses from people who slightly don't really understand what I'm saying, but like, like obviously like want to understand and like, you know, can have like a productive um, conversation about it till they kind of like start to like realize um, like where I was coming from, which is like, it's like a really good thing. And then sometimes I'll get um, responses from people who just like want to humiliate me and see how I can like prove that I'm right when they've already like um, in their head, like they've already established that I'm wrong and they're just messaging me in a way to sort of, yeah, to see, like to sort of break down my argument in a way. Um, and it's very, it is very patronising like when people do that. What kind of toll does that, what effect does that have on, like, you, for example, um, wanting to post more of that, these kinds of posts? Do you feel like you're put off by posting? Put off, yeah. yeah. Put off by, sorry, the people who are kind of giving you this negative response? Yeah, I definitely feel um, put off. Like, I, I did... I, yeah I did used to post a lot about these things and then like over time I just kind of thought like I can't really be bothered because I don't really want anyone to like reply to me and like um you know argue with me and say things like so yeah I have like kind of refrained a bit um recently I do just try to post things that I that I, I know won't get like too much of a reaction because I just don't have the energy to like be arguing with people or like to find out that this person that I know, um, like, actually just has, like, really stupid views. Um, yeah, it's just, like, exhausting, really. It's just, like, really draining. So um, sometimes I just don't really like to um, talk about it. And, yeah, but so sometimes I will. Like, yeah, sometimes. But. And do you think that it's easy to, um, to switch off? Um, because one of the things... Um, have you watched uh, the uh, Dear White People? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, on one of the episodes, she's, like, on Twitter, like, replying to, like, these people, and she's, like, there all weekend, and, like, yeah. she hasn't moved from her computer. So do you think that it's, it's easy to just be, like, you know what, like, I'm just not going to talk to you right now? Like, I can't be able to talk to you right now. Yeah, I, um, yeah, I, I think, depending on, like, how... <laughs> Um, aggressive like they might be in my dms i'll probably just be like yeah no i don't want to talk about this sorry but if, if i do think that maybe they are coming from a place of ignorance but like they can their mind can be changed and you know have the energy to to try and do that then i, I would try but if it's just like a complete lost cause then i would just fully just not reply or delete them if they're irrelevant or just be like I'm sorry I don't like have the mental capacity right now to talk about this uh, um, at university how do you navigate those kinds of responses um, from a university setting when they're coming from like people in your lectures and your like seminars and tutorials from the professor even or the lecturer um how do you how do you deal with that um yeah it's it's hard um in like class environments um i think it depends on what it is like if it's a, a class discussion um where someone is saying something i you know disagree with then i will probably speak up about it um if i've like you know articulated my thoughts um if it's like that there was an incident like last year where I did feel uncomfortable with one of the um class discussions but I just like and I did kind of regret just not saying anything in the moment like what we were talking about before um so you know I ended up just like emailing my um tutor and explaining like why um the discussion made me feel really uncomfortable and that like in the future for the sake of like you know 
vaccines in the future who would be um, in that same class. Like, there needs to be more, um, like, more of a, like, awareness. Because it, it was basically just a discussion about whether it's okay to say the N-word or not. Um, oh, okay. And, like, in more context. <laughs> um, um, this, okay, so we did, um, we were studying Fanon, you know, mm-hmm. and um, basically the, the people doing the presentation, um, 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 one of them, like, said that he was going to read out the N-word just because he didn't want to change Fanon's word. Yeah. Um, and then also one of the discussion questions was, um, should white people be able to say the N-word? Which I just think is, like, absolutely ridiculous. As a discussion Yeah, question. and I'm just, like, I'm just, like, the only black person in the class yeah. and all these white people around me are talking oh, about whether no. you can say the N-word or not. <laughs> it was, and, like, one girl was, like, I wouldn't personally say it, but if anyone else wants to, that's not my business. And I was just, like, like, yeah, the whole thing just made me feel very uncomfortable. Yeah. And I just, yeah, I emailed to say that, I don't think that's appropriate. I don't think there should be like a zero tolerance policy on it. I think that the lecturers and the seminar tutors should say from the offset, like this is like a very sensitive issue and, you know, um, just like don't say the word. Like, and especially like, just like, you know, for black students to feel safe in that space. Like this is like, like English, like you're meant to like discuss topics and things like that. You're meant to feel comfortable um you know in your group discussions and saying things and I didn't feel comfortable and I just think that's an important thing in a university environment so I was like yeah I just said like in the future like can you just be a bit more um just be better (laughs) yeah um have you I mean yeah no university lectures and stuff I think um obviously I'm running for um anti-racism officer and one of the things that I was kind of um thinking about was actually like tutors lecturers the staff in general they need to um have training on that mm-hmm, um, because i was speaking to um uh, uh, a, a postgrad student actually and in one of her development lectures the lecturer said that um african women who wear wraps are mm-hmm. poor and she's not reading from the PowerPoint or anything. She's just coming up with these things. Wow. And the thing is, like, nobody challenged, wow. nobody challenged that. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And that's coming from, not only is it postgraduate, but, like, from uh, a, a, a probably quite a well-respected lecturer as well. And she had to stand up in front of the 50 other people yeah. and be like, on what grounds, like, on what grounds are you, oh. can you say that? Yeah. And so it is a lot of people, especially within the classroom and within university environments as well, feel incredibly um, kind of... Alienated. Yeah, alienated. Yeah. And kind of like you just get a heightened sense, like this is not really for me kind of thing. Mm-hmm. It's, if the lecturer had any sense at all, to be honest, she would have known to have either backed up a point Mm -hmm. or kind of been more sensitive around that when you're just making a kind of gross generalisation about someone um, like that. And especially in that context as well, it's incredibly damaging um, within the specific context. So I think that, yeah, university staff should also be like, go through some kind of training on that. Yeah, I think, this is why I think that we should just have more like, you know, black lecturers and, and stuff because it's like, it's like these things just get so easily overlooked and just if there was just like a few more like um you know people of color in the in the faculty they can like sort of be like oh wait like you know we should do this and that it's just you know it would just make things so much better because like when you're when you have like a like mostly all-white faculty teaching to a mostly all-white um group of people they're just not going to think about these things at all but do you also think this just popped into my head as well that um, if you have um, if you have just a handful of um, of um, kind of academics of color, mm-hmm. but in a majority where the faculty is actually majority white, do you think that like black academics end up facing the same problems as um, students of color when they come to these things, where it's kind of like actually that might also be an incredibly alienating position to be in especially in a professional yeah. kind of um, 
atmosphere when you have to be going to like your other colleagues or to management or whatever and being like actually I think more should be done do you think that yeah I don't know yeah no actually when I think about it it probably is like quite alienating it must be really hard like if you do still have the majority just just like how it is when you're when you're you know a student um but at the same time I do feel like you know these older like lectures and stuff they do have a, maybe a little bit you know higher degree of like maturity and like maybe like respect for their other um colleagues so that might make it a, a little bit easier I don't know obviously that's not always the case but I just feel like especially with, with students I think a lot of a lot of us are just very ignorant already and I don't think they have the same respect and like maturity as like older people might do um which makes it a little bit harder yeah and it's also um like i kind of remember when similar to your situation when um you emailed your lecturer um afterwards um and i remember during part of my politics course um we had like a small section on like race relations in america and I remember in the revision session, it was kind of like we were just having a discussion and debate. And it was kind of like um, whenever the teacher would like bring up anything, he would just be looking at me. He wouldn't even really? be looking around. <laughs> yeah, obviously, like being the only black person in the class. Yeah. So he'd just be looking at me. And then there'd be like that kind of expectation for me to speak up as if like yeah. I am automatically by default the best person to talk. Like someone else in the class could be. Um, more well-read on, um, than me on mm. issues um, around race relations in America. But it's kind of like that expectation that, like, actually, you know, you should know everything. Yeah, no, um, I, I totally feel like that as well sometimes. Like, because, like, yeah, obviously because of what I study, we do we do talk about, you know, um, the, the racial lens, like, a lot. Um, and, like, obviously most of my seminars are just, like, um, with white people, um, and then when that stuff does come up, you do like sort of get this immediate awareness of of your skin color, of your race, and you just think, oh, I wonder if people are thinking like that I should contribute. Like, yeah. And it's, sometimes I don't even actually have anything to say. I'm happy with the discussion, like, but it's just like this weird like expectation you feel that's on you, like, and you just don't know like like what people think if you do or if you don't say anything. Mm-hmm. So. Um. And, uh, yeah, no, I was actually talking to, um, I was talking to my sister about this, um, recently, and my sister's 14, um, and she was just saying that in the class, um, they were learning, what were they, what were they learning about? Um, I think it was, like, um, Mary Nightingale, what, what's her name? No, not Mary Nightingale. Florence? That's it, yeah, yeah, yeah. Very sequel on Forest Night. Yeah, that's it. Um and um she was saying that like they um everyone was like, Oh, um, like you should know about Very Seacole, blah blah blah. Like oh yeah, and it's kind of like yeah. her like oh, yeah, she's fourteen and she's being put in I'm sure that's not the yeah. first time she's been that been put in that situation. But like especially when you are slightly younger as well and you don't really know fully or how to navigate like yeah. or deal with that situation it can be kind of like I don't know off-putting it can make yeah. you feel kind of like because I feel like you know like before you like sort of know the terms of things like before I even knew what microaggression was like it, it it's just like a weird just sort of feeling you get when when that kind of thing happens to you it just feels like you know that something something's wrong but you just don't know how to put it into words or terms or how to explain it mm-hmm. so i think that it is like it's like a really hard thing to go through like before you become fully you know conscious like just at that age yeah um <laughs> wait so i i also wanted to speak about um basically i was just wondering about essentially um how far does um media activism go in terms of like celebrities so you know thinking about Beyonce and you know her visual album Lemonade you know it's a very very powerful 
um, statement, you know, that she makes. And she did, you know, provide like loads of black people with jobs and like future opportunities. Um, but I do, I, and I know that she does do a bit of activism and raises money and donates money. But, you know, she, her and Jay-Z combined are like, they, they're like worth over like a billion or something. Um, and, you know, that could effectively, you know, they could redistribute their wealth like very easily and like like completely put it back into the black communities which they're, you know, advocating for. Mm-hmm. Um, so it just makes me wonder like the kind of like, you know, sending a message, like how important is that um in comparison to actually doing like this like physical work and directly helping out the the people, you know, who they're trying to like raise awareness for. Mm-hmm. Like I just wonder like how far does it go? Like is 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 that more important or is like people's opinions more important like what do you think i think we have to be very careful um when we think of um people in these positions um as activists yeah um because i think that um for you to be an activist you have to um commit to you have to commit to whatever cause that you are advocating for, that you're raising awareness for. There needs to be a kind of whole 100% I'm in this and I care about these issues. Otherwise, it's no different from, for example, just turning up at a protest Mm -hmm. because your friends are going kind of thing. Like, it's it's kind of substanceless. It's definitely, like... Like, I I realised it the other day, like, when... um, because cause I always, like, you know, like, be, like, posting things, like, trying to raise awareness about particular issues and subjects. But then I realised, but how far is that actually going? Like, the people affected by this don't even know that I'm saying this about them. <laughs> like, and I'm, like, if I, like, truly want to help, I feel like I need to, like, go out and actually help. Like, I definitely want to do, like, charity work at some point in the future or something, like just get more involved in a more like tangible way because mm-hmm. I just feel like I don't know just like sending a message I just don't know what it does like it kind of reminds me of, have you read Can the Subaltern Speak Gayatri Spivak are you sorry have you heard? it's like um this woman um this um like post-colonial feminist um called Gayatri Spivak and yeah we studied her like last year and she's just basically talking about um like the subaltern which is like um basically someone like like some a person like so oppressed that they don't even have like their own kind of voice mm-hmm. do you know what i mean because yeah. it's like like we're oppressed but we kind of like have a, a voice in a sense but like this is like talking about people in like third world i say that with um critique mark country countries who like don't have like the the capital or the the freedom or maybe even like the vocabulary to describe and explain um their experiences and for their own voices to be heard and then it's just like all these like you know white academics talking about um like colonialism just like I don't know sitting in their like office or whatever in their um you know you know in all their privilege just talking about these groups of people and these groups of people don't even know that they're like you know talking about them kind of thing and yeah that's what it kind of just reminds me of like just sort of talking about oppressed people but not actually talking to them on um the thing about um Beyonce and Jay-Z and stuff as well (laughs) it kind of reminded me um of like last year I think it was or maybe the year before Mm -hmm. um how um it came out that she was for her clothing line she was um like using sweatshops in Sri Lanka. Really? Yeah, charging the um people there fifty four cents an hour. Oh, is that actually true? Yeah, she was using sweatshops for wow. her for her um clothing line, and there's obviously been the thing recently about the um uh 
what was the girl band that uh, Spice Girls uh-huh. they had these feminist t-shirts and stuff that they were merchandise that they were printing mm-hmm. those were also from sweatshops oh, wow. so it's kind of like this is why I'm very 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 yeah. wary of calling people in these positions activists unless they commit 100% to their activism and to the cause that they want to raise awareness about because you can't be preaching female empowerment and charging the females in your sweatshops 54 cents an hour do you know what I mean it's it's very like performative yeah it's It's very performative it's a a show you know and that's kind of what I feel about Beyonce's activism, to be honest. Yeah, I think no. it is. She's a mad capitalist. Yeah. yeah. And she could just be, with someone with her influence and power, she could be doing so yeah, much do more. So do you know much, what I mean? So but actually, she's doing bare minimum. She wants to like, yeah. wear, I don't know, the, the Black Panther outfit to, yeah. the, to the Super Bowl interval mm. and say, look what I'm doing for the black community. And it's kind of like, yeah. actually, you're not, no, you're not really doing anything. Yeah, I know. Um, you're not really pushing to change people's minds. You're not really pushing to tackle social injustice. You're not really putting, do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and some people might argue that, um, okay, yeah, but she's kind of doing that through her music. But it's kind of like, I still feel like it's just slightly performative yeah. and not. I definitely agree with you. Yeah. Um, so, are there, are there any other. I don't know, I'm just trying to think of any other examples of... What, performative wokeness? Not not that, but, like, actual people in those positions that are actually, like, that have actually taken their influence and their platform to, uh, like, fully... Um, I mean, I think it's saying something that yeah. I can't really, like, think of anyone. Um, yeah, I don't uh, know. <laughs> I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm not sure. Um, yeah. Um, so, is online racism, mm-hmm. um, or the way racism manifests online, do you think that's more harmful than offline? Um, it can be. I, f- I think, you know, especially with, like, you know, like, MAGA people, <laughs> like, yeah. um, you know, it's so easy to hide behind the screen and you know say things um and it can be very dangerous like um you know because it kind of like social media kind of strips you of your identity you know if you're just a a random person um and and it is just so easy to like you know say racist things and get away with it whereas like i don't know in person I don't know. I just I'm just trying to figure out which one like would get more of a reaction. I think it just like a lot, just very much varies, like where you are, who who you're saying it to, like who's there, like do you know what I mean? Mm. But it is it can be very toxic online just because it's so easy for people to say things and get away with it. Mm-hmm. That's why it's kind of like it. What comes to mind as well was with. With respect to the incident that happened on like my Facebook last um last year, it was kind of like actually a lot of a lot of people in the online that were commenting in my year, yeah. a lot of people that are in these group chats also commenting, yeah. whispering whatever. I went into the school. Imagine like when I say like people are whispering, oh, like forming huddles and like whispering, like watching wow. where I'm going because obviously I spoke to um my head of year mm-hmm. about like um it wasn't even about the incident but I felt like I needed to go and be like actually more needs to be done in school mm-hmm. so I didn't really mention like I, I wasn't there to be like yeah you know this person said this and this person said that online mm-hmm. that's kind of like more needs to be done um at, at this school to um tackle these kinds of views because obviously yeah. it's not like overt racism but it is as you saw it was racist basically mm-hmm. the sentiment of it was incredibly offensive and 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 racist um but then yeah i just saw how like people that were saying things online and then i see them in yeah, the corridors and they're smiling exactly they cannot they're smiling yeah. they're smiling at my face they're yeah. saying like trying to make conversation with me and i'm just i'm really confused i'm really there's this one guy in particular as well like he like obviously because we by then we were already on study leave um 
but like so it wasn't like that intense as in I'm sitting in the lesson with this person yeah. but obviously you see people in exams outside the exams like revision around lunch if you're in um and um there's this one guy that he he can't he couldn't even look me in in my eye like I, I passed him so many times yeah. on in the corridors and his head was kind of like dipped and, <laughs> and whatever and he's kind of walking quickly and it's kind of like actually if you're gonna say something like know that you have to own it like yeah, just say it with exactly. chest basically yeah. like you cannot say something especially of this nature think that you're going to be protected by your friends and everything and like oh, everyone's kind yeah. of on the same level and then I see you in person and you d- you can't even look at me it's kind of like actually you like you really need to seriously sit down and think about like what comes out of your mouth yeah um that's yeah. probably why like online trolls do troll because it's just like so easy like mm. it's, it's not happening in in real life and they, they don't have to face any like sort of consequences and like, yes yes so but yeah. also even on that as well i was like um getting i was getting calls and stuff um because obviously after i posted um the screenshots um of like the the racism that was happening in certain group chats yeah um it, amongst people like in the year um there were like people calling my phone like literally calling my phone like um no you don't know how this is gonna affect my future and everything and like how offensive <laughs> is that sorry how offensive oh is that God. to be calling my phone like you're actually yeah. calling my phone and you're begging me to take it down why say it like, in the first place exactly you said it sorry yeah. own up own up yeah. you can't hide yeah. and that's kind of like um bring it back as well that's kind of one of the things like moving forward that I've always been like actually no I'm not going to offer you a space to hide Mm -hmm. or a place to hide behind you're certainly not going to hide behind me so like if you say something you need to own up to it if I approach you in person and be like okay do you want to say it to my face today if you don't want to say it to my face then clearly you know clearly you shouldn't have had just to say it in the first place so it's kind of yeah, I always like it's it so when, frustrating. when white people find themselves in the same position mm. that, that we usually are in, like, mm-hmm. they don't know how to handle it. Exactly, you just, the complete chaos, yeah. complete chaos. Mm-hmm. And as soon as kind of like, they, like, people are kind of like, oh, is he going to go in? Is he going to like, because people saw me sitting in the office. Yeah. And they were like, oh, is he like, you know, going to tell him what happened, whatever, whatever. And um, it, it turns out, so I walked from his office, imagine from his office, the meeting was at the end of lunch, I walked from his office to um, tutor time mm-hmm. um, in the afternoon. And by then, I'm, it's getting back to me now that <laughs> X, Y, Z, A, B, C, D, yeah. F, W has all been like talking about like how like I've said this and oh, said that. Wow. And kind of like, I was in there for 20 minutes and I yeah. walked the one minute to my class and already, like, Chinese whispers has yeah. blown up because people are kind of like, who's going to get in trouble? Like, mm. who's going to get pulled out? Yeah. And, like, that is the only time where you really see them, like, get, I get messages like, you know, I'm really... So, like, I understand where you're coming from. Like, I really oh, get what you're saying, blah, blah. And I was like, I, yeah. I don't really know whether to take this apology as genuine or not or whether yeah. you're just trying to cover your back. Yeah, honestly. Like, it's... Yeah, it happens, but, yeah. yeah. Um, it's just... Just a bit mad. Yeah. Um, so, how easy is it to reach the people that you want your post to reach? Like, in terms of, like, I'm just thinking, like, of the people that you follow in general. Like, who is it that you usually direct your posts at, if anyone? And do you think that... So, for example, if I'm gonna like share an article for example which I usually do on Facebook if I'm gonna share an article I know that that's kind of like it's accessible to everyone mm-hmm. and it's something that like people wouldn't necessarily pick up from like the the, the headlines on the news yeah. if you do a bit of digging further you're like oh that's going on in the world or that's just taken place so that's what I kind of tend to share oh, yeah, um, yeah. so what's like your kind of target when you share um, things on online yeah, my that I'm kind of similar. Like I like to like I feel like everybody has like a basic understanding. Well, that I like know and follow have a basic understanding of like you know basic issues. But I try to share things that people wouldn't like usually think about or people, yeah, don't know. Like um, I think someone I don't know if it's you shared something on Facebook about the um 
the um how much the the pay gap or something with um different women of color so it was like yeah. it was like white women and then indian women and then black women and then it just kept going down like like how much they got paid and just things like that that you just wouldn't like usually like some things even i'm just like oh wow i didn't know that i would like to like people to see and i like showing things just mostly for like people to you know um because I, that i know that they'll agree with but like even sometimes just a like tiny bit like in like other people's eyes maybe controversial just to get them to think about mm-hmm. um other things so yeah and do you think that like um online your profile is a safe space for you because i know you were talking about before you kind of felt like after getting certain responses from certain people you felt like you didn't want to post certain things so how far do you think um like your own profile your own social media platform online can be a safe space for you to kind of be unapologetic for you to be like actually i'm talking about this because i want to talk about this or even like um or even i care about this because yeah it's kind of like i think take me or you leave me kind of thing my go-to place is instagram because like most of the people on there are just like you know people who i think understand and um and like you know I don't know, like, I think the place that I just don't like posting is Facebook, because it's just, like, Facebook is just, like, it's got, like, all the people from, like, I don't know, like, year seven and stuff. Yeah. It's just got, like, so many different types of people. Um, and I remember one time, like, I think it was, like, last year, um, I, like, you know, when the racist group chat thing came up with, mm-hmm. like, the university students? Like, there were, there were like, a couple as well, like, and yeah. then I just, I just made a Facebook status, like, why don't Facebook just um, not allow um, straight white males to make group chats? And then, like, I just got so many, like, people got so angry. and mm-hmm. But it was literally, like, a joke. It was, like, hyperbole. And it was just, like, people got so defensive about it. Um, yeah. I don't know. I think that's just the kind of audience that was on Facebook. So I just wouldn't usually, like, post anything because they just don't... They just and, yeah, it was kind of the same. It was yeah. the same with the same kind of, yeah, yeah with yeah. my post as well. But it's actually, like... Um, what you're defending is your whiteness. You're yeah. like, that's it. Yeah. That's it. And you're not actually sitting down and thinking about like, if I'm saying this, number one, sorry, um, it, it can't be racist. That's just not how, how racism works. Sorry. Yeah. Um, but number two, if I'm saying this also, it's kind of like, no, you, before you comment on my post, please just sit down and think about what I'm saying in the wider social context. Yeah. Exactly. Because, it, people are like, oh yeah, what has this got to do with race? Why do you have to bring like a race into it? Like, blah, blah, blah. but actually, like, and it is what I was saying on the post as well. But actually, like, particularly with the uh, instances um, of um, group chats popping up mm-hmm. with um, racist, um, misogynistic, um, xenophobic, homophobic uh, messages that are being put on there, who who is kind of left out from those from those categories mm, exactly there's only one group of person yeah exactly that, do you know what i mean yeah and on top of that again you get these institutions mm-hmm. these white institutions um that have for example like the the this, the outlaw recently because they are allowed back at the university mm-hmm. and it's kind of like this is what we mean when we yeah. say that actually these white institutions are They're protecting the very people that exactly and yeah. because of their privilege because yeah. of the um because of um certain aspects of their identity work together in such a way in the wider social and political con- um context um that means that they are afforded certain privileges and you don't have to be i don't know what like why the initial reaction is to be like no you're wrong why is race got to do what has race got to do with anything you're wrong you're yeah. you're attacking this group of people for no reason and actually you should just sit down engage critically yeah, with the thing do you know what i mean just think exactly um and a lot of people just don't do that it's so mm. so so frustrating yeah um online when you just get a kind of blanket response of oh yeah um yeah but yeah um and i think like 
uh, probably one of the last um, the last thing I kind of wanted to um, talk about and get into um, is um, I think it was um, Foucault in his book um, Discipline Punished said that um, the ever visible inmate so this is to do with are you familiar with um, the panopticon mm-hmm. um, so um, the um, prison with the watchtower in the middle and um, the cells um, um, so every cell is visible from the watchtower in the middle and also yeah. the inmates in the prisons can see all the other people, um, all the other inmate cells as well. So it's kind of like a, um, yeah. Um, and he said, um, the ever visible inmate, obviously in the panopticon, um, is always the object of information, never a subject in communication. Um, and I just wanted to raise that, um, to go back to what I said at the beginning about the internet giving birth to this age of kind of like surveillance and being hyper visible all the time and what that means. Um, and so, yeah, what do you think about that? What do you think about being an object of information, actually, if we're to think about social media as a kind of panopticon, if you if you want, um, because we're always visible. And mm. so do you feel like, yeah, yeah, I, I definitely agree that there is a lot of surveillance like that. Just even made me think about like, you know, like the whole um the the whole, you know, new thing of cancelling, you know, artists. Like, mm-hmm. you know, anyone can um um go on um an artist's social media platform and search up like whatever thing to see if they've said um something problematic and yeah. it's just it just um really highlights um yeah, how how much visibility there is um in this um age of social media, um and yeah, it does create like a yeah a, like the surveillance I think does like change people's behavior um in a sense, but I I think you know that arguably arguably can be for the better, um but I don't know it depends whether like people are actually like in um internalizing um their like their views that i don't know that something is wrong or if they're just or if they're just putting on the, the facade that they do um mm-hmm. think these things like i think it's very um easy um to, depending on how much you say um to hide behind um a certain um um like image yeah it kind of operates at a certain level, doesn't it? Because yeah. actually, okay, if we're going to draw the analogy to to the inmates, mm-hmm. what what people see isn't just, you know, us right now talking or, yeah. you know, what people see is whatever I choose to put online. Mm-hmm. But I feel like that makes it all the more kind of, kind of involved and all the more um, troubling when people hide behind when people put out certain things mm. um, and they think that they can just kind of like, okay, no, I said that, but also whatever. It's kind of like, you do have to own up to that. Yeah. And this particularly what you're talking about, you know, with the, with the celebrities, you do have to own. <laughs> <laughs> um, you do have to own. Uh. <laughs> You do have to own. Um, you do have to own up to it, and you have to be yeah. accountable to it. Which is why I think that um, I drew the analogy because actually, people can just draw up what you said four years ago and mm-hmm. said, "Look, but you said this," yeah. and so it's that thing of actually increasing account- accountability yeah. um, in 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 that position. Um, and um, my final question is. Um, do you have any advice for anyone that's um, probably um, uh, been in a similar situation to you, particularly with the, some of the negative responses that you've received online, um, or just anyone that feels too scared to kind of come forward um, and share that post because they're afraid of the the backlash, or share that because they don't know how certain people can um how certain people can react. So, do you have any kind of advice uh, for I those people? Say, just just do things. Just just do what you feel is right. Like do things for you. Like if you if you gain some sort of um 
sense of like what's the word um if you if you feel like gratified by sharing something um on social media that um you know raises awareness awareness about something then like completely go ahead and you have no obligation to explain or justify anything to um to anyone it's just completely your choice that's that's what i think it's just completely your choice to share something or to reply to someone um but i also don't think that there's like there's that there's there's no pressure to 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 post anything but I, I i would encourage people to do so because like everyone has different audiences um and be reaching out to different people and i think it's really important to just like you know provoke people's thoughts and just make them think about things that they just don't usually think about on a day-to-day basis Um, and so that is it for this episode. Um, I'd just like to extend a very special thank you to Shazne for what has been an incredibly interesting podcast um, and for sharing her thoughts today. Um, thank you to everyone listening. Um, I hope you've enjoyed it and I'll be back next week, um, same time, uh, hopefully with another guest and another super interesting topic to talk about. Hope everyone listening has an incredible week.